there are really dangerous stereotypes made about East and West. And of course, the problem with stereotypes is they box people in. Uh, one of my favorite authors says, the problem with stereotypes is not that they are incorrect, but that they are incomplete. It's been said that fear and hatred often grow out of ignorance, a lack of understanding. Welcome to another edition of Come Receive the Light, where our host, Father Chris, will talk with the daughter of missionary parents who served for many years in Pakistan. And she has written a book that hopes to bring better understanding for all of us into the differences between East and West. We'll also learn about the latest project from a choir that was established more than 100 years ago. I think the inspiration lies in the fact that, one, it's beautiful hymnography, and two, a lot of this hymnography has not been sung in English to their special melody, so I think it's a new thing for, for the North American scene where anybody speaks English or wants to hear these things in English, uh, I'm presenting it uh, to them so that they can hear it. And I'll play at least a portion of one of the selections from that new project when we get down to the end of the broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. Again, this is Come Receive the Light from the Orthodox Christian Network on the web at myocn.net. And I'm so glad you're able to join us today. Our host is the president of Hellenic College and Holy Cross Orthodox School of Theology, Father Christopher Metropolis, and he has caught up with our first guest today by telephone. Raised in a missionary family, Marilyn Gardner spent her childhood and adolescence in Pakistan and raised her five children in Pakistan and Egypt. She now works and lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where she works as a public health nurse with underserved immigrant communities. We're going to be talking today about her new book, Passages Through Pakistan, An American Girl's Journey of Faith. Welcome to the program, and congratulations on your new book. Thank you so much. What can you tell us about the book? Help us understand this journey of faith. Uh, One of the people who reviewed it was a former ambassador to the United States. He's Pakistani, and he uh, is at American University in Washington, D.C., and Mm -hmm. it was such an honor to have him review it, but it it, it reminded me that, yeah, I want this to build bridges. I want people to see Pakistan as far more than the country that's portrayed in, in a single-view media. So uh, Passages Through Pakistan is really about three things that are interwoven. Uh, one is being a third-culture kid. So a third-culture kid is essentially someone who has was raised in a country outside of their passport country, for their developmental years, uh, which is my journey. Uh, It's also about Pakistan, thus the the passages. What I do is I look at different modes of transportation within Pakistan and link them to developmental stages. But it's also about faith. That's what really emerged uh, as I was writing it. I really thought at the beginning that it would be about being raised between worlds, about identity. But the more... I wrote, the consistent thread through it was faith. Uh, My parents were Baptist missionaries in the country of Pakistan, so my whole journey uh, to orthodoxy is is not in this book, but uh, really began there. They arrived in Pakistan not many years after Pakistan's birth as a nation, and its birth as a nation, of course, coincided with its separation from India. And they raised five of us, uh, four boys and myself. 
And faith was not just in our home. So we were raised on daily prayer and Bibles and devotions, but it was also all around us. It was in in everything in Pakistan. It was in the mosques. It was in the call to prayer. That was our alarm clock. It really ordered the day, both in the home and outside the home, although the truth claims were completely different. There's a poem by Kipling, the, the Ballad of East and West. The East is East and West is West, and never the twain shall meet, till earth and sky stand presently at God's great judgment seat. So what's your experience in living in both the East and the West? Do you see yourself and your work as a, as a meeting place, sort of a juncture between the two? You know, there's a cartoon that I think of as I, as I hear this quote and I, as, I, as I think about this, and it's, it's a cartoon of two women. And on the left-hand side is a woman who's in a bikini with sunglasses, blonde hair. On the right-hand side is a woman who is fully veiled. And both of them have bubbles above their heads. Huh. Uh, the bubble on the one on the left is everything covered but her eyes. What a cruel, male-dominated society. But the one who is fully veiled says... Nothing covered but her eyes. What a cruel male-dominated society. And to me, it's an amazing depiction of the stereotypes that exist both sides of the globe. There are really dangerous stereotypes made about East and West. And, of course, the problem with stereotypes is they box people in. One of my favorite authors says the problem with stereotypes is not that they are incorrect, but that they are incomplete. And she goes on to say, no one is a single story. But both the East and the West have created these single stories that are born of the media, and they are born of, of these messages and images that are, we are bombarded with. And so in terms of my own living both sides and knowing people on both sides, it's not that simple, and loving people both sides as well. So my work really has, more in the past few years, it's become a real meeting place because I've been able to do a public health project with Muslim women in the greater Boston area. And it, it is this perfect connection of my background with this community that are feeling somewhat isolated and they are feeling uh, somewhat targeted. So, yeah, it, it is a juncture. But even before that work project, our, our home really was this meeting place. Uh, Thanksgiving would see us with different refugee families from the Middle East. Uh, at one point we had this this family from Syria and this family from Israel, and both of them said before they came to our house, "Wow, this will be interesting. I've never seen someone, you know, someone from Syria. I've never seen someone from Israel outside of a gun." And that, you know, that our home could be this meeting place way before my work became it was really has really been a gift. You obviously have a, a love for Pakistan and its culture. That's, that's obvious from the book. Is it, it's something that anyone who's lived in these parts of the world can relate to. 
and yet there's got to be much to be desired. It's hard for someone who's never lived there to really comprehend life. I mean, we see these sort of snippets on television here and there, but we really don't know what's going on. Um, as you probably now are really beautifully positioned between both worlds, how can you help us understand what makes us so uncomfortable with it? I mean, is it our way of perceiving it, our fears that we spoke about just a few minutes? I mean, why can't we connect with that? That's such a great question. You know, as I think about this question, I'm taken back to this event years ago where we had just moved from the Middle East to the United States, and our children had some friends over, and these friends had never eaten. We were serving Pakistani food, and they had never eaten Pakistani food. And their very first reaction when they looked at the food on the table was, ooh, What's that? It was their first automatic reaction. And a French philosopher actually talks about this, and he says that our first spontaneous reaction in regard to the stranger is to imagine him as inferior since he is different from us. And I believe that that's, that's the answer. I think that when we don't know something we consider it as inferior, and, and we're fearful because all we have are these images. All we have are these, these stories, some true, some completely false, that, that go through our, our media, that go through every, every form of media, whether it be social media, whether it be newspapers, whether it be television. So I think that that's our unfiltered version. Now, Many of us are socially adept enough to hide that so that, you know, our response is not like that of a child. We hide it. But I would really say that that is what prevents us from connecting. It's difficult to see the shared humanity, to see that this person is is part of this bigger picture. It's actually one of the things I really love about uh, my journey in orthodoxy is as I've gotten to know the Jesus prayer, you know, when I first heard the Jesus prayer, I thought, you know, this should like have mercy on me. That's so selfish. Like, why am I asking God to have mercy on me? Why don't, why aren't I asking God to have mercy on the homeless person? And then the more I read and the more I understood it, I recognized that this Jesus prayer is bringing us in to a shared humanity. So we're saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, as we walk by this person, as we hear about events in Syria and Pakistan. And it's that shared humanity that despite the fact that I'm, I'm miles away, I can recognize that. There's this book called Sacred Fire, and it's by Ronald Rollheiser, I believe, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But he talks about this confronting other and and facing the person who is other. And he he just talks about how we're constantly being bombarded by it. And then he, he says that ultimately we must move on to face it and accept it. And he talks about how really welcoming what is other is is not just a key biblical challenge, but it's a key biblical principle that God himself is defined precisely as other. 
as what is beyond imagination, outside the realm of the familiar. This is what this is what he says. And so taking it from the fear to confronting other to moving forward in relationship to the person mm-hmm. who's other and recognizing that God is a part of all that. Okay, well, finally, let's, let's ask you one more question, and I think it can sort of ties this interview together. You're a child of a missionary, there's no doubt about that, from Pakistan. Uh, you continued your work in Iraq and Egypt, bringing aid and working with refugees, which is incredible. It seems almost as if you're continuing the calling of your parents. Would you agree to that? So calling is a really loaded word for a missionary <laughs> kid. Um, at one point I wrote about it and I said, you know, it was called, is calling in our DNA? Because I, I, I really, I remember at this church in New England when I was little, someone saying to me, so are you going to be a missionary too? And I remember just violently reacting to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but in terms of, Did this prepare me for what I now love to do and what I feel a passion to do? Absolutely. Whether I call it calling or not, I I am so incredibly grateful for this background because it it did prepare me, and and I'm not afraid, and I, I don't feel bound by fear, and I do feel like I am in a unique place to communicate because of knowing these worlds. So whether you call it calling or not, there's definitely a passion there born of background and of faith. Thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm I'm very honored. The title again of Marilyn Gardner's book is Passages Through Pakistan, and we'll have a link to where you can purchase the book on our website at myocn.net. That's myocn.net. And please remember, we're all over social media. Share that fact with your friends and encourage them to check out the Orthodox Christian Network. And here, of course, at the end of the year, like every other nonprofit ministry, we are looking forward to hearing from you. We are listener-supported and depend upon your prayers and your generosity. You can give safely when you go to the website. Just click on the Donate button on the homepage. Again, that's myocn.net. I should have also mentioned that um, because of the technical quality of that conversation with Marilyn Gardner, You may have missed some of the comments that she made. You can listen to it again, of course, when you go to the website. Just click on the Listen button on the homepage and then select Come Receive the Light. And now with a quick conversation about a new music project, here again is Father Chris. We welcome to the program Deacon Gregory Ealing. He's with the St. Mary Orthodox Cathedral in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He directs a 125-year-old choir, and they recently published their newest CD in a long line of recordings and public performances. He is with us today to talk about the new CD, Make Ready, O Bethlehem. Welcome, Deacon Gregory. Thank you very much, Father Christopher. Uh, Tell me, how long have you been directing this magnificent choir? I've been in uh, Minnesota at St. Mary's since 2011, so I'm over six years here, into my sixth year. Okay. And is it made up of Orthodox Christians or non-Orthodox Christians? Tell me about that, the makeup of it. Everybody in the choir is, is an Orthodox Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're all 
members of St. Mary's Cathedral. Uh, none of them are professional singers per se. They're all volunteers. None of them get paid. And uh, everyone sings just from their hearts and, and for the glory of God. Sure. It must be a large choir. How many people are in it? It's, it's a large choir for, for most Orthodox churches. Um, I guess on the books, you know, we have close to 70 members, but that's if they all show up, you know. Um, okay. From Sunday to Sunday, we, we probably have between 40 and 50 people singing in the choir. Lot. Well, that's probably one of the largest choirs in America. That's pretty good. Well, let's talk about the CD. I know it presents Orthodox hymnography from the liturgical year that foreshadows or gives us a picture and prepares us uh, and the Church for the Incarnation of Christ. Uh, what hymns did you choose to record for this CD? We chose hymns that, that fall before the, the Advent season and also in Advent that, that prefigure, that talk about the coming of Christ. And in particular, we, we chose hymns from St. Andrew on November 30th. Uh, there's a doxasticon at this Vespers that, that talks about Christ's Advent, and then we also sing a hymn from uh, St. Nicholas Day on December 6th, and then we kind of segue into the week before the Nativity of Christ on December 20th, and we sing different stichirons and, and, and stichir from the Apostica, all relating to Christ, obviously, in his Advent. And what's interesting, I think, about uh, all of these stichir that I've chosen is that uh, we're singing them to their appointed special melodies. You know, in, in the Orthodox Church, there's scenography that has special melodies uh, attached to them, and they're supposed to be sung to them, and these, these are, are sung to their special melodies. And let me ask you this, why record it? I mean, what inspires you to record these kinds of CDs that come out? I think the inspiration lies in the fact that, um, one, it's beautiful hymnography. And two, it, a lot of this hymnography has not been sung in English to their special melody. So I think it's a new thing for, for the North American scene, for the English scene, uh, not hearing these things in English to their special melodies. So I, it's something that I wanted to present to the larger Orthodox public here in North America and abroad, where anybody speaks English or wants to hear these things in English. Uh, I'm presenting it uh, to them so that they can hear it in English. Okay. All right. And Deacon, one, one final question. Where can our listeners go to purchase this CD? Listeners can purchase the CD on St. Mary's website. If you go to www stmarysoca.org. It's just one word, stmarysoca.org. There's a link on there to our choir page, and you can purchase them from the choir page with with your credit card. Or if you don't want to uh, use your credit card, you can write me an email. My my email address is on there as well on that choir page, and we can send you an invoice with uh, the CD. It's wonderful. Thank you very much for being with us today. And listeners, we hope you'll go to the website and you'll check out this magnificent CD. And I'm sure if you wait, there'll be more and more that will be coming from these wonderful people in the choir from Minneapolis, St. Mary Orthodox Cathedral, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Thank you, Deacon Gregory. Thank you very much, Father Christopher. If you joined us late, you've been listening to a special edition of Come Receive the Light from the OCN, the Orthodox Christian Network. I'm Mike Trout. Our host is Father Christopher Metropolis. And uh, have a blessed week. We'll be back again in a few days with another broadcast. And until then, remember to always have faith 
in what you listen to. I see the world your way, and I'm not afraid to follow. I see the world your way, and I'm not ashamed to say so. I see the Jesus way, and I'm walking in the light. 